This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I go over the struggles Ben Simmons has had here over the last couple of games, what could be holding him back, the comments Doc Rivers made about his role in player personnel decisions, and the Sixers' upcoming schedule, including the next two games against the Boston Celtics. If you're not already an Athletic subscriber, head on over to theathletic.com slash SixersBeat, where you can get a link to get 50% off of a yearly subscription. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bodner, joined as always by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, a part of the Athletics Podcast Network. How you doing, Rich? I'm okay, man. You know, not, not a lot going on in the world right now. No, but, especially uh, not when you have that one game get um, postponed. Oh, you you meant that sarcastically, didn't you? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. No, there's an inauguration going on. Yeah, right no, now. there there is. I, I was thinking deadlocked on the Sixers who haven't played since Saturday. Because they had two days off and then one game postponed. But yeah, there's one or two things going on in the real world, for sure. For sure. Yeah. As as far as our world, though, the Sixers, there hasn't been a lot. They uh, they got their game canceled. So now we can stop saying the NBA doesn't cancel Sixers games. And it was, I shouldn't say it was funny. It was odd that they, they got their game canceled in what really felt like a preventative me- yeah. measure. And good on, because good on them, too. Because this didn't affect... Their, their games this week, you know, they, they wanted to make sure because of the Memphis player who uh, who had it, the, the, the Sixers just didn't catch it. But but the answer to that is no. And it looks like we're full speed ahead for these Celtics games. Yeah. And, well, not only full speed ahead, Seth Curry has been cleared. He's not on the injury report, at least anymore. Uh, I think the only two people on the injury report still are Vincent Poyer and there's one more. Mike Scott. Mike Scott. Correct. And with a, a real old school injury. Uh, a knee injury. So the Sixers should be back to as close to full strength as we have seen since they were, I mean, since two weeks ago almost now, uh, when they were 7-1 and one heading into a, a Brooklyn Nets game. Um, so that will be that will be good. Uh, it will be nice to see Joe come back and play. It'll be nice to be Seth if he does come back. You know, just because he's been clear doesn't mean he's necessarily, like sometimes coaches want to get a couple more practices in. We'll see probably later today. We're recording this before the first of two Celtics games. But it will be good to get the full squad back uh, to see really what you have. Because like we said, this is so much of of an evaluation period where everything has been so weird, it's been really tough to evaluate. So anytime we can get more time with their full roster will be good. Um, Yeah, hope Seth is feeling better. It seems like he is from what Doc told us. And that that was kind of in his initial quarantine period. So I, I hope we get a get that news from him um as far as how he plays you know that'll be he was on a pretty, roll too pretty questionable he is i mean he's leading the nba in three point shooting yeah. right now 59.5% and yes like you said i would say his last three or four games he was really taking it 
to another level. And also and, he had that minor ankle injury too, right before the diagnosis. So hopefully that's, I mean, it seemed like it was minor. Um, it didn't seem like it was a, they didn't ever really, what do they call it? Like ankle soreness. I don't even think they really gave it a, a real injury. So hopefully that is all cleared up now that he's had some time off, but yeah. I think it was one of those where he landed a little funny in the Washington game and it didn't affect him the rest of the night. Right. But perhaps he woke up the next day, you know, Sixers on a back-to-back in Brooklyn. So, yeah, it's it'll be a complete mystery on, on how he plays. That said, he's got, a, he's got a lot to live up to because Shake Milton and Tobias <laughs> Harris came out and were, were pretty damn good. 28 points and he made it look look easy against the, against Memphis. He's been playing real good. Real good. And like we said before, his sh- shot isn't <clears> – <throat> it started to fall <clears> – <throat> Excuse me, I'm dying. He st- his shot started to fall the last couple of games. Uh, his three point shot before that, he wasn't even really shooting the ball all that well. He's playing really good basketball for sure. We could have a segment on every podcast. Shake Milton is playing good basketball yeah. because it really doesn't uh, stop unless he is out with contract tracing or uh, or an injury of some sort. Dude, so dude, uh, I, I been... say, <clears throat> oh, God, man, you you really are dying. You, <laughs> I've you, got you, like you something dying go in my throat. I don't know what's going on. Um. I I say and type contract tracing every time. I don't know why. It drives me insane. I get in the I like now when I'm writing about it, I have to go back and control F contract to make sure that I don't make that mistake. For some reason my finger is just anyway, completely pointless. I'm a slower typer than you. I uh <laughs> I make a I lot don't of do mistakes. It. It's uh it's pretty funny when you see this is really stupid, but it's pretty funny when you see some of the writers on, on press row and they are they're two index fingers oh, typers. Oh, it's amazing. It, 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 I, so, like, I, I grew up around computers. Obviously, I was a com- computer engineer before tricking people into thinking I knew anything about basketball. Uh, so I've always been around computers. But the number of people who, like, hunt and peck with two fingers, it blows my mind. This is your job. Like, this is your job that you could be more efficient at. I, I don't get it. I don't, but, yeah. yeah, there's a staggering amount. Staggering amount. That's why you're get. That's why you're getting it wrong. I, I, I'm in the middle. That's I'm in between. I'm in between the two finger people and the the classically trained typists, <laughs> where uh, they have their hands on the middle of the keyboard at all times. So no, that doesn't happen to me. But anyway, let's, let's 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 keep moving. Let's yeah, go to let's... basketball. Nobody nobody cares about this. I could I could talk about my Cherry MX Blue keyboards all day, but I don't think many people subscribing to this podcast truly care. So I think you know it's like we said. It's so tough to take away too much from. What's going on right now? The Sixers have lost four of their last six. Very, very few of them have looked like real NBA games. Their most recent one was a 106 to 104 loss to the Grizzlies in Memphis, which on its surface, especially considering Joel Embiid wasn't available for that one, is not the worst loss in the world. On the other hand, it was a real bad game from Ben Simmons. Overall stat line, I think, probably is is deceiving. Um, 11 points, 16 rebounds, 9 assists. Uh, he shot 3 for 9 from the field and 7 turnovers. And I think the two games in a row that he played, you know, that one and then the previous one against Miami, which he got a triple-double in, but I think his it, the concern level over Simmons has probably ratcheted up to an almost all-time high. And part of that's, I'm sure, because of the trade that didn't happen. And maybe the hopes that some people have. And part of it's just that he is not playing very good basketball at all right now. And on the season, he is shooting, you know, he's having 12.3 points, 9.3 rebounds, 8 assists, 1.5 seals. For the most part, everything outside of the scoring is fine. He's down to 50% shooting on the season. The career is 56%, but coming into this season, it was, fit. I mean, it was 56%. All right, fair enough. 
Uh, not enough games to change that. Um, What's he shooting on twos right now, too? It's uh, yeah, f- fifty-one uh, when he was shooting like pretty much just about fifty-seven before the season. He's he's not playing well. He's not getting the free throw line as much. You know, you look back to what we wrote earlier in the season. One of the real keys I thought for him was to get up in that six to seven free throw attempts per game range. He's down in the fours again. He so there's I think there's a whole a few different ways to look at it. The first is that you were hoping he was going to take the jump that he to this point never has. And this is another year. And look, very abbreviated offseason, new coaching staff. Like, I think if you're going to coming into the season expecting him to be a three point bomber, you're probably going to always be disappointed. But this is another year now where, I mean, look, he's, he's 24 years old. He'll be 25 this summer. Hasn't made the jump that I think a lot of people are hoping he would. That's one aspect of disappointment. And then there's the fact that he's just not playing anywhere near his normal levels. And forget about team construct. Like, I get if his usage rate dropped because you had more options, especially with the growth of uh, Milton and the, the drafting of Maxi and the addition of Seth Curry. Like, maybe he's not going to have the ball quite as much as he used to. That's, That's fine. not happening. Here. That's not what's happening. He is getting into prime scoring opportunities and not taking advantage, not going up strong, not taking the scoring opportunities, not getting the free throw line. He His passive play has reached an almost all-time high. And if you are concerned about it, I get it. I get it. As you all know by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using the BetMGM lines to make all our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TABASKETBALL, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic. Plus, up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code TABASKETBALL. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game. Claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. In partnership with Kansas, Crossing Casino and Hotel. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone else close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at one 866 2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge sports betting is void in georgia hawaii and utah and other states where prohibited promotional offers not available in nevada and new york don't forget if you haven't signed up for bet mgm yet use the bonus code ta basketball and you'll get a one year subscription to the athletic plus up to a one thousand dollar first bet offer on your first wager yeah it, I mean, the ball is in his hands i do not have that number in front of me but i mentioned this on the last pod Jonathan Jarks at the ringer, he pointed out that Simmons has the ball in his hands almost as much as any other player in the NBA. And that's, that's fine. He's the, the half court playmaker, but you had a good stat the other night. Um, his rookie year, he took 6.2 shots per game off drives this year. It's down to 3.7 attempts. And so I don't know. It's a little frustrating to me when I see on Twitter that he's, uh, you know, he's creating all of these three-point attempts. I know he is good at that. But, hey, if you have the ball in your hands the entire game and you don't shoot from the outside, if you don't shoot off drives, 
you're probably going to create some three-point attempts when you, right. when you I pass mean, the ball. Part out. of that is because, you know, most most point guards are the ones leading their team in three-point attempts. So three-point shots off the dribble that other point guards would take, he passes up. But also because he's passing up scoring opportunities. Like, it's not like all of these kickouts are adding value to the offense. Like, he is, is creating so many three-point attempts because other players who would take that shot that's given to him when they get five feet from the basket are taking that shot, and he's not. Uh, I definitely think there is a lot of noise in that stat. Yep, and, and you can just see it. There, there are a lot of times, like, fourth quarter against Memphis, crunch time. Obviously, the ball was in Tobias and Shake's hands a lot, but when the ball was in Ben's hands, you would see him drive, and you know he gets, like, six feet away from the basket, and then... Maybe not six feet, eight feet away from the basket, and then it's a post up, or it's a turn around and look for somebody else. And the fact that he doesn't seem to have much of a plan or much of an instinct to create a good shot for himself, get to the free throw line, whatever, it's disappointing because they give the ball to Shake, who, you know, is one thirtieth of the athlete that Ben is, and he's getting to the line in those spots. Yeah. He's yep. got the floater, you know, he's got whatever. He's got different tools in his kit to uh, to score, and it's... Uh, oh, combining those two would be, like, the best player in the NBA. Yeah. And there's a little bit of hyperbole in that, but not too much. Yeah, and you saw it, I mean, you know, it's, it's funny. He, Bleacher Report and all of these aggregation places are going to pick up on his airballed three-point attempt, which, I mean, he missed by, like, five feet. It was a bad feet. shot. It, yeah, it was a bad, bad shot. shot. That's and like it. a lot of people will be like, oh, well, you want him to take it so you can't yell at him or you can't complain about it. Well, you can't complain that an NBA player after being in the league for four years comes up shooting like that. Like he needs to. There's one thing to not have touch and not be a good three point shooter. That was atrocious. But go on, because I agree with it, what you're about to say. It was bad, but I don't give a shit. He should shoot more of them. That That is what, what I think. And, and for me, the play that bothered me way more down the stretch of that game than him taking that three-point attempt. Because I do think he's a much better shooter than mm-hmm. that. I don't know if it was nerves or, or whatever the hell it was. He just he just did not judge the distance well at all on it. Um, the play that bothered me more was with about a minute left, he's in like semi-transition, and he throws a 60-foot up the sideline yeah, pass to Danny. to Danny Green. And John Morant makes a really nice play. He particularly made a really nice play to, as he was falling out of bounds, throw it back in and save it to Memphis. It was one of the worst decisions I've ever seen. It was terrible. I mean, he threw it to Danny Green. Danny Green, you know, we just talked about this last pod. Like, he's make or miss guy. Like, he's going to run hot and cold. What is the rush to get him a ridiculous shot if you can't 100% make that pass. And to me, the the wheels turning in his head, that, that was a pass made out of, I don't want to play in the half court. I don't want to do it. So I'm going to throw this really risky pass and see what happens. And that's bad. That That is what worries me. And, and look, hanging over all of this, I, I don't think he is 100% healthy. Yep. I do not think... You've been on that right from the jump. Yep. I do not think he is cutting off... What is it? His right knee? Uh Whatever knee that is bothering him, I, I do not think I, it's uh, it's kind of similar to Carson Wentz to uh, to steal a cross sport analogy. I'm not saying that Ben forgot how to play basketball. Um, 
but but just Carson Wentz, his athleticism, what has declined has been kind of his elusiveness, how to get out of the pocket. When when Ben, just like Wentz, when he gets to his full speed, I still think he can do that. But to me, the kind of the, the quick cutting and the sharp movements that is not quite there right now, and you can see it on offense and defense when he's chasing yeah. some of these guys. Um, hopefully that gets better. I don't know. You know that that's bothersome. You know it's clear that uh, screw you NBA with the the Nuggets game. That was a clear injury when he when he was dealing with it against. Well, uh, he even missed the Atlanta game too. Yeah, against Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, so that that is hanging over all of this. But, uh, yeah, I just I, I don't like his approach right now. To your point, um, he is at 88.1 touches per game this year, was at 90.5 last year. Uh, I don't know what the stat means. Time of possession at six this year, seven last year. Can I just say NBA.com is the worst? Like, it says time of possession seven. I don't know what that means. I click the glossary, time of possession, dash, time of possession. That's not a glossary, dipshits. Explain what your fucking stat means. Anyway. Anyway. Um, so he, in terms of overall touches, which I'm Go yell at John Schumann, man. Seriously. I think I've brought this up to him before. It seems a little outside of his purview. But in terms of time of possession, or in terms of overall touches, it's dropped very small. A very small percentage. Uh, he still has the ball in his hands quite a bit. And I agree with you 100%. I think he, he is not at 100% in terms of that knee. It is the same knee that he he injured in the bubble and he yep. missed two games here early. I he doesn't look like he is moving 100%. That may play a small factor in it, maybe even a, a significant factor, but at the same time when he even when he is getting into position, he is just he like there is no confidence right now in himself as a scorer. He has no like it, it's clear even from 5 feet, he just he is not a comfortable scorer right now. And maybe some of that is because he can't do what he can physically and he's lost confidence. But so much of Simmons' game and what he doesn't do comes down to his comfort zone and his confidence. And we talk a lot about that in terms of his three-point shot and shooting off the catch and all of that stuff. And this is an aspect of it, too. And it is it is for sure. I mean, you have a six-foot-ten freight train who is as fast as anyone in a league, and he very rarely actually takes advantage of that in the half court. And I get it's tough at times when teams play so aggressive of a drop on him and play off of him, but there are still many opportunities a game where he just, he passes it up so he can do a 180 and kick it back out to Dwight Howard at the top of the key. That's not, it's funny because Joel Embiid got the dual 180 nickname somehow by accident when it really should be Ben Simmons. Those <laughs> plays, like it's, it's one thing to kick open to, you know, Seth Curry or Shake Milton in the corner. Don't waste five seconds on the shot clock to get in prime scoring position in the half court only to kick it back out to your center who's not a shooter anyway. It, it's, it's frustrating for sure. For sure. And and you would hope, you know, I mean, he's not as efficient as he can be anyway, that he would just say, look, I'm willing to make some mistakes with some of these drives. You know, if I if I don't draw the foul here and I it bounces hard off the backboard and misses, okay, next time maybe I'll try and draw a foul and, may, like, I'll learn from that. He did admit that his knee – he didn't completely admit it, but he said, at times I'm trying to get my legs under me. It's tough. We got a back-to-back tomorrow, so we'll see how I feel. Editors note they didn't play that game. Uh, but overall, I'm feeling solid. So didn't really acknowledge the knee, but but did say that he's not 100% with his yeah. movements. And um, I, I, I 100% agree with you. I don't think he is. I don't think he is. So, you know, I think we're at the point where 
I just want the guy back from January, February last yeah. year. And that is still a somewhat limited player, but that was probably the best basketball Ben has played in his career. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the end of his rookie year, he was, he was pretty awesome then. Um, but, but if they can just get that, that guy back who will still have his limitations in the playoffs, his, his can be schemed up by some defenses that that would be good. And they're a far long way away from that right now. Uh, I thought you made a really good point and I want, you to say this on uh, on Twitter, and I'll just tee it up with this. I don't know what is going on behind the scenes. I don't know if they really can have that much contact behind the scenes with all of these COVID regulations. I will say, though, Doc Rivers, what I've heard publicly from him about Ben shooting and just his general offensive yeah. approach, I have hated it. Yeah. And, you know, I... I mentioned this the other day and, you know, I basically said, like, if you were expecting or hoping for Doc to bring Ben outside of his comfort zone, early returns are not good. And I had people respond like, well, he says every press conference that he's not going to ask Ben to step out of his comfort zone. And that's true. That's a very fair point. My reason I brought it up is sometimes what coaches say to us, the media, us jabronis who don't really matter. And what they're saying behind closed doors is different. And you get that. It's yeah. completely different, like 180 degree different. Uh, Doc do a 180 rivers. And it should <laughs> wait, wait, be. By, by, by the way, but, but I have to say that that was a funny comparison you made to Embiid. I will say Ben's crazy passes, not, not as bad as Joel, uh, 15-year-old Joel spinning out of bounds at Montverde Academy in the, <laughs> yeah. in the JV game. <laughs> he just ran on a fast break and just ran like three steps too far. It's great. It's fantastic. Um, you know, I think. There is where was I going? Uh, doing one eighty docs. Yeah, so public there, comments versus there, pub, and sometimes private. there should be a very wide discrepancy in what they say. It's one thing to ask a player, push a player, push the right buttons privately, and another thing to put that kind of pressure on him. I mean, we saw how it worked out with you know Brett last year, like the take one three a game thing in public. Tell his trainer, tell his 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 agent, whatever, tell his family. It didn't really work out all that well. No, and you don't want to go with the Doug Collins. I bled for this game. Yeah. I would I ran run through my, my shoes. shoes. Nobody ever booed me. <laughs> um, but it's one. Th- it's another thing for for Doc to be saying the same thing behind closed doors. And maybe he's not. But clearly, Ben has not stepped outside of his comfort zone at all. He's retreated back into it even more. And I do think Ben is the type of player where confidence. You know, it's not so much what he can and can't do anymore. It's confidence. And we've talked so much about that in terms of his shot. We're now seeing it in terms of, fi- I mean, we've always seen it in terms of finishing at the rim, but we're seeing it to an even greater degree. They need to figure out the right buttons to push because right now, look, can, can Ben still be a really good player even with his limitations? Yes, but you're not getting the most out of him that you can. And when you have such a unique physical player, I I would just, especially because like that, that movement from, good team to great team from second round to NBA champion. It's so tough. And there's so many, there's so few opportunities that you can really make that jump and they're all going to be risky. And one of the least risky ways is for Embiid and Simmons. And I mean, we can maybe even Milton and Maxi to make jumps that we don't expect. And every year that goes by is another year where they don't make, or Simmons specifically doesn't make a jump that we didn't see coming. And you just, you, you want to see him become the player he potentially could be, and this has been a tough start to the season. And this might be just a frustration with Doc 
in his public comments because which which again don't matter but it does feel like there is a little bit more i don't know bs than sometimes we got with brett because after the the heat game he got asked you know ben did have a triple double but it was the uh it was the old pathetic triple double that andre iguodala used to have i i mean that sarcastically but he had you know he had 10 points 10 rebounds 12 assists he he really didn't play a, a lights out game. Sometimes he can just get a triple double by having the ball in his hands a lot, and that, that happens. And that's that's a credit to him in in some ways too. But he got asked, Doc got asked about his performance, and he said, "Well, we just scored 125 yeah. points. We scored or we shot 54 percent. We shot 46 percent from three. Ben had a triple double. You know, like we're scoring points. What's wrong, guys?" He didn't say those last parts, but he he has said that a lot of ways too. He goes, I don't care about or how the scoring comes from. We I just care that we do it. And I'm thinking like, okay, I really hope like in your head you realize though. First off, you're not going to play against Max Struss for for the rest right. of the season. That that Heat team sucked. So I, there is an element of like, can you build better habits as this goes along? And then you have a game against Memphis where Ben again he has a triple double, but the shots aren't falling quite as much. You don't have Embiid to serve as the the offensive focal point. I, I'm just saying, Doc, I really hope like when you have good scoring games, when you have bad scoring games, you're at least thinking a little more of, okay, how did we do this? Why did we do this? What's going to be more sustainable? Right. And what's going to work in the playoffs? Yeah. And I mean, when you take a step back and look, all of these results so far this year are borderline dog shit. Like it is really the strangest year to cover I've ever seen. They're, they're going to be borderline dog shit the entire year. year. And Boston like, doesn't have Tatum tonight. It's I know, ridiculous. I know, I know. And Kemba's on his second game back and played like dog shit against the, uh, against the Knicks. But you take a step back. Yeah, they were starting lineup played well, but overall this is the 16th ranked offense, despite playing a really mediocre schedule so far. And again, I know they've missed a lot of people, but it's not like this offense is clicking at on all cylinders at all times. Anyway, like you said, it's one thing to beat Max Struss and Gabe Vincent. It's another thing to have that success in the playoffs. And I think you need more out of Ben to, I mean, to steal a Doug Collins saying, to win the ultimate game. Yeah. I think it's fair to say he's struggling and you need more out of him. I don't, uh, anyway. Anyway. Yeah. <sighs> Hope right. He plays better. I like watching him when he plays better. But yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's been uh, for sure. It's not been it, this it, year. Yeah, it hasn't been this year. And yeah, I, I would say with the the fan reaction, not only is he playing poorly and deserves criticism, that combined with the near trade last week, or perhaps not near trade with some of the reporting we've seen, but you know, with his name being in those Harden discussions. Um, it, there's going to be a lot of focus on him. And I said it on the last pod, like wait, wait till he has a bad game. It could get pretty ugly when it turns to the, the fan discourse and to Ben's credit, he didn't waste any time. To have a bad game. <laughs> we got it right away. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Uh, all right. I think let's shift a little bit. You know, there was, since we were talking about doc, there was um, on the rich Eisen podcast, uh, rich Eisen show doc was on, talking about his relationship with Daryl. And I think there has been some, you know, sort of discussion about whether or not Doc can overrule Daryl on transactions. So let's play the clip here and we can discuss that. Relationship with him and Elton and me 
Uh, we literally talk every day. We're an open book. I love his brain. I just love his brain. I think he's one of the smarter men uh, in team sports, and I and I really believe that. He has the ability to see trades and see the cap uh, and see maneuvers, not just for now, but for later. That's not me. I can't do that. Right. But what he does well and what we do well is we listen to each other. You know, Daryl has had several trades so far. That's no don't want to do that. And he moves on, you know? And so that's the type of relationship you have to have when you have coach and management. I think it works that way. Did one of them involve a now former Houston rocket? Don? No, no, no. That was obviously a big thing, obviously. Uh, uh, and uh, as I said, after that, I'm glad where we're at right now. Sometimes the best trades you do is the ones you don't do. And I'm hoping that's the case. All right. So, I think some people saw a part of this clip or transcribed part of this clip and effectively thought, um, you know, does Doc have the ability to overrule Daryl? And is this a big concern what he said? You know, I do think it is significant that he said, like, it's not like he overruled the James Harden trade. I think some people just jumped to that immediately because there's a trade that didn't happen. Uh, it, I, in no way do I think Daryl Morey would have turned. I don't think Doc said that. In no, that he, trade well, I, that's why I included the second part of that clip because he, Those were he, two he said he didn't. Separate questions. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think, I think if you would have just heard the first part of that clip, you could have made the conclusion or at least the speculation that Doc may have objected to the Harden trade and maybe that is why it didn't happen. I don't think that is the case. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's, I think, look, I think Daryl has final say with the uh, the roster moves, but it would be foolish and naive and a little reckless of him not to get Doc's input. And if Doc strongly objected to a move that Daryl was thinking of doing, Daryl would have to have a, a pretty high degree of confidence and certainty that this was right. You can't, you can't play that card all the time and maintain a relationship. You can't overrule Doc if he has a strong objection all the time and still maintain that relationship. Does that mean Doc has final say? No, it, ju it just means that I think Daryl is mindful of the relationship that he has with his head coach and uh, is going to get his input. And part of that input, input is if Doc doesn't like it, and it's not like an earth-shattering move that Daryl thinks is going to significantly move them towards it. Like, you, you don't piss off Doc for a 14th man, is the way you phrased it before the podcast. I think that's true, and I think that's probably more what Doc is talking about. Yeah, you would hope so, because... The reason you hire Daryl Morey is to run the show. And right. I know he is consensus-oriented, as he said, but as we have talked about a million times, you can have a consensus while also entrusting somebody to make the final decision and, you know, basically organize things. So you would hope on, and, and I, I would think so too, that on the big moves, such as a hardened trade, if Doc wasn't on board, tough shit. It was a little bit interesting, Doc, at the end, talking about like sometimes the best moves are the ones that don't happen. You wonder if he's just saying that because he wants to keep Ben happy, or if he's saying that because there might have been a part of him that wasn't really super thrilled about coaching James Harden, or or is super thrilled about coaching Ben Simmons, which I think he's, I, I, I think there's some truth to that. I think he is interested and excited to coach Ben Simmons, but um, it's interesting I, which angle he would have been coming from on that last part. It's it's hard to tell. I, Doc is pretty media savvy when it comes to lying. I would say <laughs> like he's, which is 
Look, it's okay. Uh, that that sometimes he would have to put lipstick uh, on a pig. Like he's he's been a part of much tougher situations than almost trading Ben Simmons. So he's you know he's been around twenty years. So he's he's seen everything as an NBA coach. But yeah, you you hire Maury to make the big decisions. I will say that this is one of the results of hiring a coach first, then hiring yeah. some front office people. Then empowering Elton. And then, oh, by the way, here's the person who's going to run all of this stuff. Yeah. It's n- not to say that they aren't navigating that weird order of events fine, but I'm just saying, like, it, it is a possibility. For sure. For sure. Uh, we The Sixers never do things in the right order of operations. It's just, it for some reason, it never, never happens. And it's, uh, you know, it's funny, like, Doc is the person you would worry about it more. <laughs> you had Elton on day one saying, no, no, he, Daryl is, is running things. That That is what's happening. Doc, even in some of the other cases, it's been, we, we're all doing this. Yeah. This, is, this is all of us. I'm, make sure my name is etched on these, uh, on these personnel moves as well. So I, I would just say, like. What's Glenn Davis doing? Yeah. Let's, Some Brandon uh, Bass back in our life. Let's give it a, a little bit of a grain of salt when it comes from his mouth. But it's it's something to I, – I certainly think like this front office dynamic and how all of these guys work together after coming from entirely different places and Elton still being here and a couple other of the, of the front office people still being here. It's a, it's I'll be interested to see how it plays out because it's, it's different than how most of these things are put together. All right, so I guess moving on, we want to keep this one quick. Uh, trying to, um, we don't want every, we don't want to release two and a half hours of podcasts every week like we have been. So let's cut this one pretty short. We do have a couple of, um, not home and homes, but a couple of two game series coming up Wednesday and Friday against the Celtics. Tatum is certainly out in health and safety protocols for the Wednesday game. We'll see what happens on Friday, and then you have two on the road against the Pistons on Saturday and on Monday. And then a, a, a big one at home. Uh, get your tickets. I'm kidding. There's no <laughs> tickets. Against the Los Angeles Lakers. <sighs> that might be the first real prime time, like, measuring stick matchup they've had all season because it'll be the first time teams will actually be available, which will be great, except, you know, at that point we will be, what, 19, 20 games in the season. Strange year, uh, but a good one coming up soon. Any, I guess any quick thoughts on the, the Celtics that they're about to uh, take on here? We sort of mentioned it a little bit at the beginning in terms of how weird their season has been, but yeah, they they battled through some some early struggles. You know, they won a bunch of close games. Certainly had you know got the lucky Tatum banker against Milwaukee in Game One. They had the Peyton Pritchard shot in Miami. I am a you know we saw the Celtics in the preseason. It's good to see the Kemba is back. I'm a little worried about their depth and the Sixers. Yeah. I, despite the the fact that the Sixers got swept by them in the playoffs last year, they also didn't have Ben. And oh sure, and I mean, we, that, we you go back and listen to it. We, like Ben was a big part in there because I think they won what three out of four against the Celtics in the regular season. Ben was a big part of that. He played Tatum real well. Yeah, and you know it, it's funny that there was a sense within the Sixers ranks that okay, we had a crappy season last year, but losing Ben for that series like uh, uh, that went from probably an uphill fight in a playoff scenario to okay, we have no shot and. Joe even mentioned it. He was like, we didn't have Ben last year. He guarded Tatum really well during the uh, regular season. For some reason, I feel pretty good about how the Sixers match up 
with the Celtics. They, uh, in some ways, losing Kenner is a big deal yeah. just because, you know, not a good defensive player, but not a large human. As we've said, there is an element of you must be this tall to ride to, uh, to hold up against Embiid and, uh, not to say he stopped him, but but he does a better job than he probably should. So, uh, yeah, we'll get a look. I, I actually think the Sixers, if Curry and everybody are back and not terrible, I, I feel pretty good about how they're yeah. going to play in the series. Jalen Brown's made a huge jump, but it is, He's been awesome. it is much yeah. easier for him to do that when Tatum is by his side. And, and Kemba just doesn't look like he's fully up to speed yet. I, I, I mean, this, this little home and home here, or not home and home, this two-game series against the Celtics, it, it does sort of show why Simmons is potentially so valuable and why his regression offensively and lack of progression over the years is so frustrating because he is, I mean, this is like a, a sport where big forwards have sort of come to have a prime role. And Ben is as equipped to defend them as anyone in the league. It he's a huge add on that side of the court. He needs to the Sixers need to spend less time playing four on five, and that is the Ben Simmons experience so far. But we'll cut this one off here. Thank you, Rich, for jumping on, and we'll talk to you soon. See you, man.